Hello everyone, welcome to episode 143 of Eventually Super Train, short-lived TV show podcast. We cover the short-lived TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually we will cover Super Train. In this episode, we are starting off with episode 2 of Lucan, with the great Amanda Reyes joining me for the uh, discussion of the second episode of that one. Then the great me is joining me to discuss the second episode of Gemini Man. And then Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki Wrights, is back one more time to discuss the 21st and final episode of ABC's Tales of the Gold Monkey. It's always sad when a good old show ends. Next episode, there'll be another one. And maybe someone new, or someone old, who knows, but the show continues. So, Lucan, Gemini Man, Tales of the Gold Monkey. Let's start off going to Lucan Town. Listen to this. December 26, 1977, directed by Robert Day, written by Tony Kaden. Uh, this is interesting. I, I don't know if you, you noticed that. We'll, we'll, we will bring it up in our discussion, but I don't know if you noticed the, the air date there and the air date of the previous episode. Wait until Amanda and I start talking about it, but that's something to, um, that's something to keep in mind there. And let's see, uh, what is this one about? This one is about um, Lucan returning to the countryside where he was, um, he where he grew up, running with the wolves, and he's looking for the old gray wolf that he grew up with, and he runs into some sort of strange secret involving the mayor and the sheriff, and they're trying to stop him from going out into the woods and something. Some bad has happened, and Lucan finds himself in the middle of all of it. I'll leave it there. Let me give you a little blast. The man and I are on the other side, and we really get into this one. Here you go. The Search, Episode 2 of Lucan. And I'm here, as always, with the great Amanda Reyes. Amanda, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, we, I may have had a couple um, issues getting signed into this call, but um, I'm ready to go and start the search. Which I did notice that looking up the, uh, the when these episodes aired, am I right in thinking, because I'm having some internet issues, am I right in thinking that this episode aired like two or three months after the previous one? Oh, I don't know. I th- I think I'm going to, I'm going to double check, um, real quick here if i can or maybe i can't um but i think this episode it did it did yeah this was like the day after christmas merry christmas let's break your heart uh yeah it's 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 weird that they uh they so the tv movie aired what like march of this of the year and then the first episode aired in september correct or so and then this aired like three months later yeah seems a bit odd it, it i guess in retrospect it doesn't seem that odd only because um, of the struggle that we know that Lucan had. Now it makes sense when True. you can look at the air dates. Because mm-hmm. I think it, ha- I don't know if it, I will dig into this, I'm sure, when we go through the show, but I feel like it had a hard time finding its audience, which is why it made such a dramatic format change. 
mm-hmm. at, mm-hmm. later on, you know. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised it kind of got, pardon my French, dicked around because <laughs> because I know that it had so much potential in it and they had a hard time, like, figuring out where to land it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a, I, I mean, I've seen some weird scheduling before, but this one just strikes me as weird that you would premiere a new show, have episodes standing by, and then wait like three months before showing that that just seems a bit like you might have lost the audience yeah i think so unless they just showed that first episode over and over again yeah i can show that lucan again i can see if it's west rerun i mean i can go in and dig in and see Mm -hmm. like if it looked like there was i know it did get a lot of promotion when it when it originally was going to air but who knows i mean i'd have to go back i'm sure it's been documented better somewhere Mm -hmm. yeah the well, 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 let's talk about the episode. What did you think? I think you may have enjoyed, what, but what did you think of The Search? The Search is probably one of my top favorite episodes. I don't know if it's my favorite favorite. We've got one coming up here in a couple more episodes that is another one that I love. And I think there, this one oscillates between that one with being my favorite that I can remember. And um, this one's a heartbreaker. It's so good. And it's it's kind of amazing that this episode and the next episode in particular are such a shift from the first one we saw with Stephanie Zembalist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and it's really interesting. And also it's starting to become almost like experimental filmmaking to some degree for TV. <laughs> you know, it's got, a, it's got a then came Bronson kind of vibe going on mm-hmm. in the photography mm-hmm. and stuff. It's really impressive. Whereas I feel like the first episode we watched with Stephanie Zembalist as the Russian gymnast... Um, had sort of more of a traditional television quality to it mm-hmm. and these are becoming a little bit more filmic mm-hmm. you know for some reason especially the yeah it's especially the way that this episode actually feels like they're they're outside of la yeah it feel it actually feels like i mean the moment it starts off and he enters the town and he's on the back of a huge logging truck it feels more like a twin peaks uh, he, he's gone to Twin Peaks rather than he's still yeah. somewhere in the L.A. area. And I don't actually know where this was filmed, but it doesn't it does. It, it feels like they did a Route 66 sort of thing and went out of town. It also which is has, always nice. It also has like a real complication of characters, which goes on mm-hmm. into the next episode, too. So I'm starting to see another thread <laughs> yes. in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, when we'll talk about Leslie Nielsen's character, but it's a very complicated uh, yeah. role and, and it pushes you back and forth and how you feel about him. You know, mm-hmm. throughout the episode, yes. it's, it's really well laid out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think my um, I really enjoy this episode. There are a couple things that um, I uh, there there are a couple things that I, I didn't like, but overall, uh. I really enjoyed the episode. Well, um, what? I, I just I just thought there's this thing where Lucan goes to a place. And immediately gets involved in all this craziness. And I know that's the format. I know that's the way it works. But it just seems like, um, you know, in, in this episode, they try to make him like the fugitive. Well, bit. interestingly and, enough, the guy who created the show uh, worked on the fugitive. Okay. And he's, he's, it's, it's, it's funny. They, like the, the, I love the opening scene where he meets up with the professor, John Randolph possibly for the final time i don't know i haven't watched beyond this and uh you know he they they hug and they they chat briefly and um uh and they um you know he gives him he gives lucan some money and then he says this will get you a bus ride at least don't hitchhike yeah yeah (laughs) and i and i and i thought you know what you're the professor who's been working for years at the college you're probably tenured and everything give him a little more than a bus ride worth 
That's just me, though. That's just me. Um, you know, a couple of nice uh, nights in a hotel, you know. Um, uh, but uh, and, and then immediately that guy shows up and I forget the actor's name, but you the moment he shows up, you're like, oh, that guy. The only other guy in 70s, 80s TV who's more that guy than this guy is the guy who plays the reporter who's after Dr. Banner, the Incredible Hulk. So that you mean guy, Don Gordon, I, the guy, the bounty hunter guy? Yes. yes yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's he, great. He, he, yeah. The moment you see him, he goes, oh, that guy. You go, oh, that guy. And it's weird because they've I, – I, I didn't go back to the TV movie, but I feel like they've done a bit of – little bit of rewriting of what's going on here, which kind of reminded me of another show uh, we're talking about on the, on Avengers Super Trainer and now Gemini Man, where they rewrote the rules of invisibility in between the TV movie and the show. <laughs> they, in the TV movie, it's if he's invisible for more than 15, is it 15 minutes or five minutes? I forget. Let's say just 15, 15 minutes in a 24 hour period his DNA will be so rewritten that he will never turn visible again. That would be a but damn then, shame because it's Ben Murphy. You got to yeah, share exactly. that. Share that. But, but then three or four episodes, and we haven't talked about this episodes, but, but, but they don't really mention that in the first few episodes of the regular series. But then about three or four episodes in, there's a moment where he has to save somebody and he only has like 20 seconds left to do it. And he goes and he does it. And you think, change back, Sam, change back. And he doesn't. And the time runs out and then he becomes visible again. And you're like, what? What happened? And then somewhere in there, they say, yeah, Sam, if you're if you stay invisible for more than 15 minutes in a 24 hour period, you automatically turn visible again. And I thought, mm, that's not what you said at the beginning. <laughs> well, and, that's and, TV. That's TV. Yeah. And, and there is a bit. And, and this kind of has the same thing where. Wasn't the reason Lucan left was because they were going to cancel all the funding and he was not going to be. They were, like... they talked about moving him into a different kind of institution. And I think that's yes. what started that get on the road. And so, so now Prentice's job, it's more like, I feel like, the, okay, so my personal opinion, and I haven't rewatched the pilot either since we started recording mm -hmm. this, but my personal opinion is that Prentice was told a story that's not necessarily true about mm -hmm. Lucan to okay. bring him back. Yes. And what I like about Prentice, and I don't remember thinking this the first time I watched it is that he's also kind of a complex character and we can talk about when he's hanging out with the mayor in this episode and his yeah. shit detector is really lit yes. up and yeah, and and yeah. you can tell like that he's not necessarily evil he's not like this mm -hmm. like you know um dark spirit heading after good right he's like mm -hmm. this guy who has a job and he's been yeah. hired and he's under the um illusion that Lucan is more dangerous than he probably is. Yes. And, and he's yes. to bring him in. But he's also kind of, I don't know, there's something really compelling about him that I'm finding in this second go around. So I'm really appreciating mm -hmm. um, okay. rewatching this because I'm seeing a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he will grow on me because my thought was like he's, he's in town five minutes and he's hearing about everyone hunting down the wolf that he's trying to meet up with. And Leslie Nielsen is, is giving him the third degree while eating a big sandwich. <laughs> and he's just, he's just already knee deep in crap. And he's only been in the town like three minutes. And, and you thought, and he needs a bounty hunter after him. <laughs> he I needs all I of it. We're, I think we're overdoing it. And it kind of, one of the problems I had with is that it, there are moments when there's so much chicanery going on that you forget about Lucan. 
for a bit. And so, some of the point of shows like this is they do that. It's almost like like Route 66 almost became anthologies where they would drop the main characters yeah. into someone else's story. But but the thing with Lucan is I liked him so much in the first two, I wanted the focus to stay on him. And there certainly is a lot of the focus on him, but boy, it gets bogged down in the plotting as it goes. Not, not, not in a bad way, but in a way where you like you forget about Lucan every once in a while because you're so busy watching Leslie Nielsen argue with the mayor who's the worst. How did he become the mayor? I'm, it's, that's it's what like, I'm trying to figure out. What, what, I mean, when was it that it became that like, not only if he's in, not only if Lucan's in the middle of the big city, is everyone going to be awful, but he goes to like a beautiful Pacific Northwest town where you think there should be some loveliness and it's all rotten, but it's not interesting rotten, like mysterious rotten, like in say Twin Peaks. It's like jerks rotten. Like well, it's geez, corruption, gonna, yeah. Yeah, pe- people are going to ask about how I got that giant inheritance at the same time that those other people disappeared with the hundred thousand dollars. It's like okay, yeah, we got it. And I thought it. It. I love what Lucan's going through in this. I love the scenes that when he's out in the woods and he's with the wolf. I just absolutely love it. Um, but but I do think it gets bogged down in the um, the sheriff is evil, but he might be good and the mayor is evil. And I'm looking for this little circular thing that I remember. And I also want to meet the wolf. Oh, there's a plane with skeletons in it and a bounty hunters after me. Come on, guys. Well, it's, I... a, it's a, 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 because it also leaves like the, the leading lady in it kind of really gets left behind until the closing scene when you're thinking, shouldn't the episode be over? Uh, but it's not. And it it kind of it kind of I, I as much as I like the episode, I think they put a little too much into it, which is in a way isn't bad because it keeps everything moving. But at the same time, I would have liked a little more focus. I would have loved more time with Luke Ann and the wolf. Yeah, but I, I might agree with that. More, you end up with more time with the mayor and the mayor is so obviously a bad guy. And what he's doing is so obvious. I'm like. I don't really need to spend more time with them because I know that character. Now, not that I sat there going, you, I hate this. I really enjoyed the episode. I just thought I wouldn't have done that. If, if I, not that I was writing Lucan. (laughs) You were six, right? So, but yeah, yeah. But if, if I had been there at that time, I would have said to someone, I think you're overdoing it. I think there's just a bit too much happening and having Lucan go to this town look for the wolf and this this artifact or whatever he remembers in his mind that's almost enough to guide you through the episode you you could because now he's grown up and he's returned to the place where he spent the first 10 years of his life and they treat it almost as secondary to people are going to wonder where i got that big inheritance from and who cares about those people because they're not going to be in the next episode but lucan is and that was the problem. I, but then that's the nature of a show like this. So I'll stop yakking because I did enjoy the episode. I think, I think though, it's like it goes back to that theme I was talking about that runs through a lot of these episodes about family building and about mm. how Lucan doesn't realize that he's like creating different families because he's so in desperate search of his own. And so like, so like for us to spend time with the characters, I think we're seeing that particularly with uh, Sheriff Ramsey and Penny. Um, yes. Leslie Nielsen is Sheriff Ramsey and Catherine Cannon is Penny. And by the way, Catherine Cannon's a great actress, but this is the only character she's ever played that I've liked. And it's because <laughs> she plays very serious characters mostly. Uh-huh. And um, she's a great character actress. She shows up in everything, but like, this is the first time I've ever seen her kind of laid back and maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more compassionate. Um, and she's great. And she's adorable in this episode, but like, mm-hmm. 
Um, I like being dropped off into their lives because uh, I, I think the whole, well, first of all, I think the whole point with the bodies being in the airplane was that kind of like cliffhanger that you're supposed to get between ads where you're like, oh my God, is that Lucan's yes. parents, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. And so, yeah. and so I, maybe that was an idea they had and then they built the story around like what, how uh -huh. did these people end up here and how can they not be Lucan's parents, right? Yes. And, yeah. and so I feel like, I feel like that sort of maybe needed to be there because there's always these like, did he find them or didn't he kind of things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he found a family, you know, yeah. and that was a really non-traditional family because Leslie Nielsen, as we find out as the story progresses, there's this blonde girl in a photo on his desk mm -hmm. and we're not quite mm -hmm. sure who she is. We can assume it's his daughter. And as the story progresses, we learn that he uh, had this daughter that got really sick. And the only reason why he even went in with uh, Cher, uh, Mayor Marston, played by Edward Binns, um, is on the money when they when he found the mm -hmm. money the mayor is because he needed money for his daughter's treatment and mm -hmm. she died anyway and then he somehow ended up going to this commune and finding penny who was sort of like mm -hmm. this mirror of his daughter but obviously quite yeah. different because his daughter looks very conservative gets, right in the photo mm -hmm. and, and he gets her out of the yeah yeah and he, and he becomes the father figure that she needed and she becomes the daughter that he needed and it's really beautiful and and it's sad in a lot of ways because he can't live that life because he found her sort of almost through like she's a byproduct of something bad that he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a good thing came out of it. But at the same time, he left these people in a plane in the woods to yes. rot, right? And, <laughs> and, and but pure skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> and of course he didn't realize either because uh, Marston had been like, Oh, they were dead. And then later he's like, I mean, I shot them. Then they were <laughs> dead. Then they were dead. I forgot to mention that part. They didn't die in the it's, plane crash. It's so, I mean, I mean, are these guys worse than like anyone we've encountered in the two, pre, like in the TV movie or the, or the, uh, the gymnast one. I mean, there, there's some pretty bad people in those, but just the fact that the mayor is willing to kill everybody. Oh, he's so corrupt. Is, yeah. Oh, and the only reason why he doesn't uh, want them to get the gray wolf that he, he finally puts out the reward for is because he doesn't want them going into the mountains and finding the bodies. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so he's completely, he doesn't care about the wolf. Nobody cares about the wolf except Lucan, right? Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. then it builds from there and to this really tragic, yeah, really interesting sort of twist, I guess, that mm -hmm. it makes me sad. The whole thing is upsetting um, mm -hmm. because she's protecting the wolf is protecting Lucan and then she gets killed by the mayor. And it's kind of upsetting because he sort of brought the mayor to the wolf and they don't really deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and then he's got to deal with the consequences of her death. And so positives come out of it in that he finds the disc that has the inscription. It's, it turns out it's the inside of a watch or something mm -hmm. and, or the, I guess the back plate of the watch. And then, yeah. and they're like, if you can figure out who the jeweler was, who did this watch with the inscription, yeah. I bet you can find your parents. Right. And, and so, I think he's, yeah. And he sends them to like, go to the nearby town. There's the nearest watchmaker. Yeah. He's like, so I thought the next episode is going to be. The yeah. But it wasn't, was it? And it's so. It's not. No. <laughs> we'll it's not. That. Story arcing was not a thing in 1977, no. unfortunately. I think if they remade the show, and I don't want them to do that, but if they remade mm -hmm. it, I think that there would be more. We would understand the characters' travels better. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's the flaw of the series. But, like, also, 
I have to like, I don't have to tell you, I know you know, but like I sometimes when I talk to people about TV shows, like for instance, I did this uh, podcast for um, the Night Stalker movies and also the Norless tapes. And um, one of the podcasters was old enough to remember the Night Stalker when it originally, not when it originally aired, but like the seventies and, and like the legacy of the night stalker and the other mm-hmm. podcaster was much younger. And it was really interesting because when he watched the night stalker and the night strangler together, he was like, but it's kind of the same movie and it is technically, but they were, they were made a year apart and, and the audiences didn't have the luxury of streaming and binge watching. And so I feel like if Luke Hans hopping around, I think it was more acceptable in the seventies because these shows, yeah, you know, you see it once and then a week later you see the next episode and, and they're not meant to be watched like back to back. It's especially if there was a three month gap. Yeah. That, that had to really feel like if, if you, if you caught the TV movie and then you caught the first episode and then you were waiting for the next one, it would make this, even though it was, it was just a regular hour long episode, it would make it sort of, if you enjoyed it, and we're looking forward to it, it would make it much more, I don't, it's not a very special episode, you know, as we know it, but it would have made it a very special episode because it would have been like, Oh, Luke still on. Let's see where he is now. And you might've like, you kind of sort of mentioned there, maybe it was a real time thing. Maybe that's how long it took him three months yeah, to maybe. get from there yeah. and there. And they were just, they were just um, showing it off in the TV schedule. <laughs> they're so smart those network they're executives they're yeah good. i'm they're really impressed good. by them but like <laughs> but yeah so like these shows are sort of meant to be watched differently and yeah. so we have now we watch them on dvd and like we can just watch them all however many episodes there are right mm-hmm. and they're going to see more disjointed than they probably would have in 1977 mm-hmm. i think i think i i think i and i have the episode the, the 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 tricky thing too with this episode also is Leslie Nielsen, because this is the point. This is a few years before he becomes the comedy guy. The comedy so I, guy. The comedy guy. And so I do think a lot of people who don't mm. fully know him outside of the comedy, yep, will do. They do encounter. I mean, this is the year. Isn't Day of the Animals? Didn't Day of the Animals come out? It's this around year? this time. I, yeah. Yeah, it's around this time, and he's great in that. But he is walk walking a fine line in the end between between Sirius and camp when he's got his shirt off and he's yelling to the heavens. Yeah. And he's oh, claiming, I remember he's claiming oh, the, I remember he's claiming that. the woman. She's mine. Yes. And, <laughs> and, it's like, and, and I will say this folks day, of the animals, William Girdler, excellent film, really well done. Uh, but, but it is Leslie getting, I think as close as he gets to um, camp. Watering yeah. It to, yeah. Yeah. But, but here, the great thing with him here. Is that you know he starts off eating his sandwich and giving the you know grilling um uh, I was just say grilling a sandwich grilling a uh, Lucan about where he's from and things like that. This is a library card. This is yeah. an ID. <laughs> um, and um, but but then the great thing about his character throughout is his character kind of walks the fine line in between trying to do what's right and also trying to cover up what he's done, and in the end luckily unlike the mayor who just goes full-on crazy he he decides to do the right thing yeah and, and i and, i think part of that comes from penny's influence because yes. without his daughter who knows if he would have even cared about anything anymore right but he yeah. found this this reason 
to like keep going and to yeah. and to like help this woman sort of reorganize her life you know and so it's it is really interesting because i remember i'd forgotten that he wasn't the bad guy and mm-hmm. um and when i was watching it i was like oh god i hate him oh wait <laughs> yeah oh, wait. yeah and he gets and he legitimately gets a uh, and I don't, I don't think this is spoiling it to say that Lucan gets away. The bounty hunter doesn't get him. That's, I don't think that's a spoiler because if he got him, we'd be done. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, but the ending, there's a wonderful. It, it does. The, the story structure, I thought it was kind of odd in that the ending happens with the with the wolf and capturing the mayor like five or six minutes before the episode ends. And there's a long scene where Lucan yeah. and the leading lady are sitting in her car and she's just talking about herself. And it's weird because this feels like the kind of thing that would happen before the end. Yeah, I could see that. And, yeah. it's, and it's it's not that it's bad. Actually, I found it kind of refreshing because normally they just wrap it up and he leaves the town. You know, they leave the town. It's like, you know, there's Dr. Banner. Thanks for your help, Hulk. And he walks away and that sad music plays. Do, 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 do. Yes, yeah. Exactly, but here there's a feeling like maybe she's driving him to that next town where the watchmaker is. Yes. Maybe they have a little more time together, but then the bounty hunter is after him, and you get a legitimately, I'm not laugh out loud funny, but humorous scene where Leslie Nielsen Sheriff, who has said he's going to turn himself in, and I believe he is going to turn himself in, but maybe like the last thing he does before he turns himself in is he slows down the bounty hunter yes. so he can't catch Luke. And it's a very funny scene where he's like, Officer, I, Sheriff, I am in a hurry. I need to back. So give me the ticket and I'll go. He said, okay, well, I got to go all the way back to my car to get the <laughs> ticket. And he's just walking really slow and looking down at his feet. And it's a legitimately funny sequence. And it's kind of a lovely moment where, um, you know, it's not like, you know, it's he was I think he was speeding. So the sheriff didn't stop him, you know, um, well, who cares? You know, He's going to jail be, anyway. Yeah. Just go out with the <laughs> yeah, bang, man. Exactly. So. So, yeah. So. So why not help? out? Why not help out? And I, I think I don't know that he's helping out Lucan so much as he's assisting the gal who's helping out Lucan. Yeah. And so there's kind of just and I, and I like that the episode ends on that where it's not like. Okay, well, Lucan, you, you came in, you helped out, you did whatever, and now you've gone. Bye, bye. Yeah, see ya. At, they, they, they take. I, I like, I, I like the fact that they could have done another episode with maybe her and him together in the next town. That would have been interesting, like if he sort of hopped with another person. Because you, you never do that in a show like this, and and maybe she was just with him for that one episode. And at the end of the episode, they, they, they get an adventure, something watchmaker related. Maybe they wind up in Switzerland. I don't know. It's masquerade they, all of a sudden. Yeah. Exactly. We need you to go undercover as a wolf boy. Who... Would that have been great? All of a sudden, Greg Evigan shows up. And if Greg Evigan is in a suit and not with a truck and an ape, you know he's in masquerade. That's right. But he, if he's with another dad and oh, a yeah. young woman... Then he's in a completely different, and there's a laugh track. That's another that's show. A, that's but, another one. Yeah, I think that that would have been fun to see if if the next episode had just been following that the bounty hunter has lost them. The bounty hunter doesn't know where they are, and they're just going. And the sheriff certainly hasn't said, "Oh, they're going to see the watchmaker." You know, twenty miles away, they're in the Pacific Northwest or wherever the heck they are. He's not going to find them anytime soon, especially in the mid seventies. And so I, I do like that concept now that what if the second episode had just been a second, the next episode had been a second episode with him and her. 
you know, not that they, maybe they don't have a full-on romance or anything, but they grow to grow quite fond of each other. And, you know, but at the end, he says, you know, I have to go here. And she says, well, I have to get back to the restaurant. I'm so glad we could have this extra time together. Suddenly it's a Carol Burnett show. Yeah, I know. I'm picturing like a song starting. (laughs) And she's dressed as like a cleaning woman, like a char woman (laughs) with a mop. No, but I think that would have been, but, but again, they didn't do that kind of thing back in the day. There was one lead character. He went from episode to episode, the rest of the cast apart from, and the bounty hunter was the other main character. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think the nature that. of the era just kind of, and the way we just watched TV back that, then, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it just, it didn't like create that kind of thought process. But I, I would have liked the idea of maybe not the whole next episode being her, but like maybe you see her with the watchmaker and mm-hmm. him and then and then he's like, okay, now I need to go to Texas or whatever. Yes. And then yeah. she's like, okay. And then maybe in this episode, like where he goes to Texas, he meets up with somebody else and they take him to the next town. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so yes, maybe they're not yeah. in the full next episode, kind but they a, like bookend it or whatever, you know, at the he, beginning. And and he could kind of, um, Amy the Conqueror and I said this when we watched Planet of the Apes, wouldn't it have been fun if like the last episode of Planet of the Apes had been the two guys and the ape, I forget, is it Ga- I forget, I think his character's Galen is the ape character. If they like led an assault on the main bad apes and they assembled all the people they had helped throughout the series yeah. to do it. And I thought, what? now that, that would never have happened, obviously because Planet of the Apes got canceled after 15 episodes. But, um, and did you know, just just because we covered Planet of the Apes on here, Planet of the Apes, one of the rare shows back then that didn't have a pilot. Ooh. Planet of the Apes was so popular, they didn't make a pilot. Yeah, sure, why bother, right? Yeah, and, and so, but I, wouldn't that have been something with Lucan if they'd kept up kept up a chain it would have been cooler if he went and joined the planet of the apes people wouldn't that have been great if in the next episode he wound up with charlton heston on a spaceship you damn dirty apes but lucan can speak to him but Lucan yes, he really can. Yes. <laughs> so I always bring him along, him and Tony Francios, and we go. We just have a great time. It would, uh, it would I, be something else. I was I was trying to think of an exa- a modern day example of something where something like this, where an episode like ends with something, and you you think, oh, that's not going to continue in the next episode, and then it does. And and like like this, like I said, I would have loved to have seen her with him in the next episode. Yeah. But we know that's not going to happen. But there is, and forgive me, uh, a couple seasons ago on Doctor Who, there was an episode called Oxygen, where the Doctor goes blind about three quarters of the way through the episode. And at the end of the episode, you think, okay, he's going to get his sight back. But he doesn't get his sight back for two episodes. He's blind for two full episodes. And that's the kind of thing that if this were Lucan, he would have got a sight back at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, like, I think I use the example on Laverne and Shirley when um, there's a couple of them, but there's the one where Laverne meets the fireman played by Ted Danson and they fall in love Mm -hmm. and he gets killed in the fire. Mm -hmm. And then she's devastated and she can't actually absorb the fact that he's died. And then her dad comes and talks to her and she breaks down. And then in the next episode, she's just doing hijinks again. And it's like, wow, she really recovered from that. Because he was going to propose yeah. to her that night and everything, you know. Yeah. And then there's another one with Mrs. Babbage. And um, she's got a daughter who's, like, learning disabled. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, Lenny yes. falls yeah. in love with her. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And yes. then and then at the end of the episode, we never hear about this daughter again, right? And so <laughs> so that was just a common thing that happened on That's television. And, but then every once in a while, like, like, as, like, as I'm going through, like, happy days, there will be these weird moments where something that happened in an episode like four or five episodes will just get mentioned again 
I can't think of one off the top of my head, but that happens on more than one occasion where you're like, oh, well, you remember when Ralph did this? And I thought, we're remembering that. You know, <laughs> yeah, we that's for, what you chose we, to remember? You know, you know it's, it's like we forget that, you know, Richie almost died in a motorcycle accident in the previous oh, episode. We've forgotten that. But we remember when Ralph had a goofy fight with like Red Brown in a wrestling match. Yeah. For one of the Landers. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like sometimes there would be moments like like even seeing john randolph at the beginning of this i didn't think we'd see him again i thought he died i can't remember but, but i can't i feel like i felt like dr don hoagland showed up in a few but i can't recall now because it's been it's, a few it, years since i watched it but i'm a huge john randolph fan so he better show same up here again. same here yeah he's it's like it's like um a show we talked about a long time ago which has a very similar ish premise or, or structure the immortal with christopher george mm. in that one he's on the run from a bunch of guys who are trying to get at him because his blood um is is healing he has some sort of dna thing where his blood heals and like he doesn't age or he ages very slowly and if he gets injured he heals very quickly because it's like every good thing that a human can have in their system that you have this and I have this, but you don't have this. He has all of the good things. And so he's just, he's not, he's Christopher George. And, um, but in that there's in the first or second episode, he like, he's going to get married. And then it, it seems like it breaks up at the end. And then that character returns for like the first 10 minutes of the next episode to finish that storyline. And then he goes into another storyline. It's like, huh, I didn't expect to see her again. But there she is briefly. So yeah, occasionally it happens. And when it does back then, it's really surprising. It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and it's it's because it, it's just nice to see someone just thinking. I mean, obviously, leaving out shows like, say, Beverly Hillbillies or Green Acres or shows like that where they did continue things and things were remembered generally, um, it didn't really happen. And so, so with Luke Ann, all I can say is, gosh, I hope we remember that he has that back of the watch. Well, he's wearing it in the next episode, so he is he okay. I, yes, I, uh, there is consistency with that, but we don't know what it, what he found out if that watchmaker because they they could have gotten yes. the watch from anywhere. There was just a guess that maybe they got it in this town, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, and he was hoping that that would be a lead, but I don't know that we're ever clued in on whether or not it is. But he does take it with him, so it has some kind of meaning and um and he is wearing it uh in the lost boy episode but okay. i wanted to really briefly i mean i don't have much to say about it but we haven't talked a lot about the relationship between him and his mom the gray wolf oh yeah and it's yeah. you know we talked about how how you really enjoyed watching those segments and it's such a wonderful like i can't believe that we're three episodes into this show and I didn't even realize the scheduling so we're actually really one episode into the show and we're going into like this really emotionally devastation yes. like yeah. i don't even know how to like i cried the entire next day after rewatching it this oh. week it's it's so beautiful it's sad. it's it's yeah it, it's it's oh i'm sorry go ahead go ahead i was going to say you the moment you put something in the woods like this even if bigfoot isn't involved <laughs> i love it i love the woods i love the the pacific I, this is I, I don't actually know if this is i say pacific northwest it looks like it, it looks but like yeah it. it's got the logging and, and you get that logging truck the moment i saw that i i thought it has it has to be up in the pacific because that's where all, a lot of the logging is done so um uh but uh it, it, the, the moment he's out he's out 
in I mean I love the I love the small town feel I mean apart from the jerks you know and I love the feel that it doesn't feel like they're on the back lot of Universal or something it really is like a place wherever it yeah. is they are is an actual place and I like the location of it but whenever they go in the woods and he's like cresting over the top of a hill and looking around and there are trees everywhere and the mountains behind him and the wolf runs up to him and rolls on her back and he's rubbing her belly and it's just like it's just like Grizzly Adams isn't the most intense show. Um, if you ever watch Grizzly Adams, get comfortable. Don't drive a car because you're probably going to fall asleep. But it's such a gorgeous show to look at. Yeah. Because it's all this beautiful landscape. I think that's in Utah. It's all this beautiful landscape and everything. And this is the same sort of thing. Every time they go in the woods there, it's just gorgeous to look at. And unfortunately, there are jerks with guns and skeletons and, and airplanes and things that get in the way of it. But yeah, when, whenever he's there with the wolf, it's just like, I kept thinking, I want to see more of this. But then how much of just like a guy running around with the wolf in the woods well, well, they did watch Grizzly Adams for two seasons. I would, I would I watch know. it all the time. It was, it That's was thought, so yeah. amazing, and it's also like, well, first of all, I've never seen a wolf quite like that before. It was really beautiful and like kind yes. of sinewy. Like the face was like mm -hmm. more bony, and mm -hmm. and this idea of he says this thing to somebody, uh, maybe it's Doctor Hoagland. He says, you know, it's a wolf. How is she supposed to even remember you? And how are you gonna? And he says, you know something about your mom and he says it's the only mom i've ever known yes and i'll know what she's thinking or i'll know how to talk to her or whatever you know and then he goes there and at first i think she's trepidatious because he's grown yes. so much and then and then he's like oh my god this is the kid that i took care of in the woods and mm -hmm. it's just amazing and they're the way they bond in the episode and really become like a cohesive unit to me like two yeah. creatures who care about each other it then then it adds so much impact to her death and yeah, i don't which, understand yeah. how they filmed that because that dog looked dead it did look dead especially when he was picking the dog the, yes the, 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 yeah the animal up it looked really all i could think of is there must have been like either either ken brophy was sort of there was some sort of training or something or or that he could do or, or there was like the trainer was right off camera saying like play dead play dead and it was a perfectly like obedient animal. Yeah. Because it because when he's picking her up, I'm like, oh my god, I think they killed that. They killed yeah, that that's wolf. what it looked like, and and I'm hoping they didn't. But I was like, <laughs> it was so hard to watch because he's carrying her around. He's like, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, and and I and I I totally got derailed at that moment because I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, he's kind of responsible for her death. Yes. Yeah, and he, and of course they just kind of were like oh here's the watchmaker you know but like <laughs> but i mean like that's a really heavy duty thing to yeah. carry with you you know literally yes exactly <laughs> and there, there is a thing too like um I, I i didn't actually look to see how long wolves live because it's been 10 years so i don't i, I imagine if she was a grown wolf then i, I don't i, I should have looked i don't know why i just figured do they live like as long as dogs? Yeah, like, I, don't I don't know. She 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 was uh, she seemed to be in good shape though. Yeah, absolutely. It was just a stunning creature. Mm -hmm. I just I'm not sure I've ever seen yeah. a wolf quite like it before with yeah. that kind of coloring yeah. and oh, so beautiful. And it was just yeah. it was just so upsetting. And and so I had a hard time. What I know I knew what I was going into because I remembered this episode of all the episodes. Yeah. This one and one that's coming up in a couple episodes. I remembered like I just saw it and I was like I really mm -hmm. have to prepare myself for this and. Yeah, I forgot all the Leslie Nielsen stuff. I just remembered the wolf <laughs> stuff. And yeah. I, I was just devastated. It's it's just so well done. And I can't believe 
that actually my next thought, like the next day when I was crying in my car on my way to work, I was like, <laughs> I can't believe that people aren't just running down the street talking about Lou Can all the time. Like this incredible show that just kind of disappeared. <laughs> like why are people all over the world having parades yes. and stuff for this show? Because it was so uh, amazing. Yeah. And it, it was too bad too, that it hit like, like I mentioned before, it hit Warner archive instant like a month before it went away. So it, like it hit there just in time for me to catch like the first three or four episodes, then it was gone. Yeah, I could. That's where I first saw it, and I thought, oh, everybody's talked about it. Like I'd read about it and heard mm -hmm. people talk about it. And actually, in LA, I actually think I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew Kevin Brophy. And I was thinking in my oh, mind, wow. I was like, I wonder if my friend still talks to that guy because I would like to meet Kevin Brophy myself. And um, sure, yeah. And so. Uh, uh, I thought, oh, I'll watch it. People have talked about it. And I, he's great in Hell Night. It's, I'm sure it's mm -hmm. a good show, it's you great. know. Time Walker. Yeah, oh, Time Walker. He had the evil, uh, what is say, he, like a medical student or something? Yeah, he, he he's the one who causes the trouble in there, too, because he takes those little jewels from the Time Walkers. Yeah. He's hilarious um, in that because he's such a jerk. Yeah. And you're like, that's he not is. Lucan. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess he's kind of a jerk too in, in Hell Knight, but um, but a fun one because um, he yes, gets all gorked yes. out and everything, and he tells that great story uh, at the beginning about the Garth Manor. But yes, but um, I forgot what I was going to say. But anyway, he's he's amazing in this, and yeah. so anyway, I caught it on Warner Archive streaming, and I thought, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And then I was like ten episodes in, and it was like, I can't believe that this show isn't more famous. You know, yeah. it's so, and it's got, it's got its ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. And when they change the format, it takes kind of a nosedive um, in some ways, but, but these first handful of episodes are so amazing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. art. I mean, you know, it's just, it's television <laughs> really going out and trying different things and, mm -hmm. and being pretty successful for me. Yeah. It's, it's the, the fugitive, the fugitive. Well, I was going to say the fugitive as if it were Grizzly Adams, but then Grizzly Adams is a fugitive. So, um, so it's it's it's. I would love more Wood stuff in upcoming episodes. Yeah. I don't know whether we're going to get that. That's just me. Um, there was one more thing I would say. Oh, I do. I do like that they give Kevin Brophy some stunting stuff to do because they have him when he's on the second floor of that like boarding house. Oh yeah, that's he, right. He that's jumps. great. And it's 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 not like he's not it's not like Jackie Chan or Buster Keaton, but it's still like he's on the second story of a house and he jump in one shot he jumps down into the back of a pickup truck and then jumps out of the pickup truck onto the ground. He must have been so, in incredible shape done. because some of yeah. those stunts are clearly him and and you're yes. like, "Oh my god, how did he do that?" And sometimes they do some really basic stuff like they'll speed up the camera, but the agility oh, is there like you can see still, yeah. the gracefulness of that of his yeah, movements they, it's incredible yeah it's it's tricky it's always tricky when they like they, they speed up the camera because it's clear that they're doing the stunt but then someone felt but they didn't do it fast enough so they have to speed it up and that, the moment they do that anyone watch it goes hey what was that chicanery but they still did the stunt though and I don't know. I don't know why they do that. It's like it's like when you see a car chase and the car chase is going great, and then so all of a sudden they like speed up a shot. Yeah, like cars going around a corner. It's like you don't have to do that. It's great when they do I, it in old movies. Like that's charming. But yeah, in the later yeah. ones, I think it's more distracting. But like I just watched. I think it's called The Old Dark House. Do you remember yeah, that? Sure. Like British. It's yeah, great, like, and it's yeah, got James that. Whale. Yeah. It's got that or, car or the accident. Original. Yeah, the, yeah. the I think it's the original. Um, I'm trying to remember any and everything. Yeah, right? and the car's yes. going really fast, and you can tell they've sped up. They do it in Freaks as well, and mm -hmm. and for some reason it works for me there. Like it doesn't make me like I recognize yes. that they've sped up the film, but like it, it doesn't. It's not distracting, but for some reason as technology advanced, the, them still doing that makes it feel kind of antiquated, and it does stand out. Yes. Yeah. 
know? Yeah, it's it's yeah, and I know exactly that moment in Old Dark House because because they're in a like in a studio Storm, set, it's yeah, pouring yeah. rain and muddy, and it does like it like a suddenly speed it kind of like goes like I I haven't watched it all, like down a muddy hill or or something something like, like that, path, yeah, something like that, yeah, yeah, and it's oh yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, I was gonna say the um because I just saw him him jump off of the roof or or that that little awning onto the pickup truck and I thought hey that's pretty good and I mean that's that's not the sort of thing you would have normally see you wouldn't have normally had your lead actor do that because as always like if he had landed wrong and twisted his ankle or broken yeah, that's something like, that's like a pushback on schedule yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's like this, we can't have know, that. Your, your next episode, he's in a wheelchair. Being, <laughs> you know, he's, he's he's like the guy in the wheelchair. Don't go in the woods. Yeah, he's like six to eight weeks. I'll be doing that again, off. but not until then. <laughs> yes. So that's how that old guy got in the wheelchair and don't go in the woods. That's old Luke Ann. <laughs> it is. It oh. is. Yeah, just <laughs> uh, Kevin Brophy can do no wrong in my mind. As far yeah, as I'm he's, concerned, he's, he's great, great at everything. Yeah. Um, now, I think I think that I feel like I had one more thing to say, but do you have anything else on this one? No, I think I I really wanted to talk about the Gray Wolf because it's yeah. such a impactful yeah. thing for me. But yeah, I love I personally love this episode. I agree with a lot of the stuff that you're bringing up, but I also because those themes of family building are so prominent mm-hmm. in the series, yeah. I think it is important to spend time with them and also I like the complicate and we'll see this in other episodes too. I like the complication of mm-hmm. the Leslie Nielsen character because, uh, you know, it, clearly Lucan is not based in any kind of like real universe. You know, mm-hmm. there's no Wolfman that has all of a sudden his eyes turned colors and like there are feral yeah. childs. Those exist, but like to the degree that Lucan, but I like shows where people aren't necessarily good or bad and mm-hmm. there's a great area yes. in there. Yeah. And then you get somebody like Leslie Nielsen to sort of tease that out because he's a great mm-hmm. actor. And um, and it's wonderful. And I like being kind of tossed back and forth between whether or not I'm supposed to like him yeah. or not. And so I think in 45 minutes, they really put together a really... They throw you through it, yeah. Yeah, there's, really, it's a, yeah. I think it's a fine example of some of the best of 70s TV for me. I'm really, mm-hmm. I really feel that. I think, yeah, I, I, I agree. Apart from, like, all the... Um, the nitpicking I had was purely from the point of view of someone who is, um, I got a little o- overly critical. No, no, no. I agree with that. I think you're making fine points. And I know like one thing that's, I think, different between you and me maybe makes us kind of an interesting pair when we talk about TV movies is that I'm always looking for like the metaphor and I'm not saying mm. you don't because you see a lot of stuff too, but like that's where I automatically go and you're really into structure and form. Mm. And mm. so like you can talk a lot about like camera work where like, I don't necessarily always notice it. Sure. Like yeah. like what the camera's saying or or mm-hmm. something like that. And so like so like I think you picking out these things I I agree with all of them, but then I'm coming from a place that's maybe more personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, and 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 as you talk about with the, the the family building and all that, I can I definitely see that. And I think that's um that is and I I I I and I, I like the fact that that may have been something they planned when they wrote it, or it may just be something wonderful that's happened. There. Yeah, I can't tell, yes. but it, it's there, yeah. and, and it's what I love about the show the most, I think. Yeah. And I actually have the end playing right here, and it is great to see where the bounty hunter comes to talk to Leslie Nielsen, and Leslie Nielsen says, I don't know where Luke Ann is. He took off, but then he's got Luke Ann hidden in the back with the oh, gal. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they drive away, and this is, this is the point where I thought the episode was going to end with them driving away off into the sunset, but there's like another four minutes or so. And she talks for a bunch and, and it's like, 
And it's, it's funny because part of me, and, and I know I sort of said this earlier, but having it on here, I realized that part of me is watching it going, is she going to be in the next episode? Yeah. And then part of me is thinking, oh, this is nice that we're spending a little extra time after it's over. And then another part of me is thinking, what bad thing is going to happen? Yeah. Because they wouldn't keep it going, you know, in a slasher film, you know, you don't follow someone who goes <laughs> into the basement <laughs> unless something's going to happen. So, so with something like this, the fact that we're seeing them getting a little extra time together, especially because they do that thing where she starts the car and then it fades to black. And it's the end of the episode, so you expect that when it fades back in, it's going to be her driving away and the credits rolling. But it's not, because when it fades back in, they're driving away, and all of a sudden the bounty hunter sees him and goes after him. And you're like, whoa, there's still more to the episode. Oh, what so I'm thinking that is that, oh, there's four more minutes left. Did they really have to speed up that stunt? <laughs> exactly. Now you want to talk with the editor. I don't know, editors, <laughs> editors some, sometimes editors, uh, they, they'll do, sometimes editors are, are are spot on perfect and that I, I always think of the um and i think i probably said this somewhere else but there was um and i i feel like i said this recently but there's i forget what jackie chan film it was it was one of the ones he made in america in like the 90s early 2000s and there's a scene in it where he's on like the second floor of a building and uh he's going to go down a ladder the bad guy kicks the ladder away so he runs along a ledge and there's a palm tree right up near a portion of the ledge. So he runs along this very thin ledge for like 20 feet. And then he jams himself in between the palm tree and the wall and shimmies all the way down to the ground. And it's crazy to watch. And he does it all in one take. But the editor is on the commentary. And he says, well, when we originally shot this, we did the full take with Jackie doing the full stunt. And then we did some close-ups of Jackie stepping on the ledge, um, him closer on the palm tree. And I edited it that way. And Jackie saw it and said, why are you doing that? That ruins the stunt. And the editor said, well, that's the way we edit it. That's the way you'd edit a scene like that. You want people to know exactly where you are at all times. They said, no, 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 no. You just do the stunt. And that's the thing with like this. It's like, no, no, don't speed anything up. You you, you sort of, the, the, uh, the sort of truthfulness of the stunt is kind of called into question the yeah. moment you speed it up. Because I, like yeah. I said- because, like, like I said, for everyone who watched it and goes, well, he still did the stunt. They just, someone felt they needed to speed it up. You're going to get someone who watches it and go, did he, what happened there? Why did they have to speed that up? Did he not do it right or something? But he clearly did it right. Yeah. And they goofed it. So, I don't know. I could talk about that for ages because that's, um, we'll have an episode devoted to sped up things that we don't <laughs> like. I also wanted to briefly mention that this was directed by Robert Day. And he, his name always sticks out to me because he did two of my favorite TV movies. Um, he did uh, a movie called The Initiation of Sarah, which he did just oh. a year after he made this with, um, you know, Kay Lenz and Morgan Fairchild. And um, mm -hmm. that's a great, like, supernatural yarn, if that's what you want to call it. And then about a year after that, he did this amazing TV movie called Murder by Natural Causes with Hal Holbrook oh. and Catherine Ross and Barry Bostwick. And it's written by uh, Richard Levinson and William Link, I think, who did Columbo. Oh, hey. And uh -huh. um, and it's an incredible twisty turny mystery about um, they called the mentalist like a guy who could read your mind uh -huh. sort of that was his job, and his wife he has a bad heart and so his wife and her lover decide that they're going to scare him to death, mm. basically okay. and the film is kind of about that and it's amazing and um and he he did a really good job with this episode as well. Yeah, he did. He, he did. came from noir, uh, I think. I'm trying to remember now because oh, wow. I did the commentary for Initiation of Sarah. That sounds. 
and and That's I talk it. about these filmmakers, and now they're all just jumbled in my head because I talk about yes. so many filmmakers. But <laughs> so he did many. a lot of Tarzan movies. I also feel like he did some noir. Maybe he didn't direct them, but he worked with noir filmmakers, and mm-hmm. um, and he learned a lot working with lighting and stuff like that, and mood was a big thing for him and he carried that through when he became i think that's what he said and we also did the house on green apple road oh wow yeah okay, great maybe that's where yeah I, ritual yeah. of evil he's got an amazing filmography but mm-hmm. um so i just wanted to mention him briefly because uh mm-hmm. his, i think the next director too did tv movies but now i'm forgetting so i'll have to look that up i believe so yeah if i remember, if I remember. yeah um, uh but uh yeah if that's uh if that's all on uh, this one i um and i think that's all i have yeah um I'm going to ask you, what, where, where can we find you online? What have you been up to? What's going on? And this this episode will go up in a week. I have no idea where I am in this world. I'm so busy <laughs> all the time. And I think everything mm-hmm. that I've, <clears throat> excuse me, I think everything that I've, I'm working on hasn't been announced yet. So I can't really say. Oh, okay. But I guess since this is going up in a week, I can say that recently it was announced um, that I, my friend Bill Ackerman and I did the commentary for Second Sight's new release of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yay! Yeah, which is an amazing Fantastic. release. It's yeah. got a whole bunch of cool stuff in there. There's also a documentary, um, which now I'm forgetting the title of, by Phil Escott, and I'm featured in that as well somewhere. Oh, cool. um, and that's all coming out through Second Sight uh, Films, which are based in the UK, but I think you can get their stuff through Diabolique here. Dia- Diabolic, yes, yes, Di- however you pronounce that. Diabolique, um, yes. And um, also... Uh, if you hear this in, in a week's time and you're in early 2023, you can probably go to Barnes and Noble if you want more Texas Chainsaw Massacre and read about the trailer for Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes. 3 in the latest issue of Fangoria. Um, I wrote that article. Um, and I think those are the two main things that are going on right now. Cool. Thank you so much, as always. Thank you. And, uh, and uh, oh, one last thing. G.W. Bailey is one of the townspeople in this. Who That's you Rizzo, from, right? From MASH? From, yeah, from yeah, from a lot of things that he's also um, Harris from um, four of the or four one two three four or five of the Police Academy films. Oh, I'm like he's in Mash. <laughs> he is. He is in Mash. He's in Police Academy. He's in a lot of stuff. He was in like one of those shows, like Criminal Minds, or I don't know if he was in that one, but he was in one of those for a while. He's great. Um, but you'll see him in this. You go, oh my god, GW. Yeah, he's in um, it for like a second, like you barely even see him in the scene, and I was sort of surprised. Yeah, yeah, and I thought, oh, this is where GW is getting started. GW, you getting, getting GW? GW, and what? I think he's on the commentary for Police Academy. Oh, and cool. He's like, G- GW Bailey. This is GW. He's got that great voice. <laughs> and I think when he talks about the scene where he ends up with his head and the horses behind, that's a great scene. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm going to oh, leave that. Uh, I'm going to trust you on that one. Ah. Uh, and that's the search, everyone. <laughs> well, uh, next uh, next up, we got some of this. I think Gemini Man. Let's do it. Let's go invisible. Gemini Man, episode two, Le Miniature. Minotaur, the Minotaur, the Minotaur, the Minotaur, uh, which uh, it's from the French DVD, as I mentioned before. This is the uh, aired September thirtieth, nineteen seventy six, directed by Alan J. Levy, story by Robert Bloch. I'm I'm guessing that Rob Robert Bloch, the Psycho, and Robert F. O'Neill, teleplay by Robert F. O'Neill and Frank Telford. As before, I'm going to read you my uh, 
review that I put up on my PolishAmericanGuyReviews.blogspot.com website, and then I'll talk a little bit more about it. I find that kind of the review, and I've said this before, one of, one of the things... I've said this before. One of the things I say is about myself is that I repeat myself. There you go. Thanks, Dan. Sometimes when I'm talking, I will repeat myself. There, I said it again. But it will happen where I will make a point, and then a few minutes later, I'll kind of make that point again. I don't know why. I think it's when I'm talking to myself mainly, and I think it's... Um, and if I said this on the previous episode, I, I will not say this again. But I think it's just like when I don't hear a response, when I like make a point and think to myself, that's a good point. I hope to hear someone say, Dan, that's a good point. Or oh, interesting, and then continue the conversation. But when you make a point sort of into a vacuum, sometimes you kind of sit there going, can I get an amen? Can I get something on this? And so I repeat myself. So I find that I'm going to read this review and then make one or two more points, but I think I make them almost all in here, so this should be a short segment. For the second episode in a row, Intersect gets built out of a lot of money, 40 mil, by one of their employees. Dr. Hale got them for 10 million in his fuel additive scam from Smithereens, and this one, Ross Martin, plays Dr. Carl Victor, who takes Leonard's think tank for around, I put 30 mil here, but they say 40 mil in the episode. Dr. Victor has built a large, unwieldy robot with great destructive capabilities called the Minotaur. Dr. Victor is demanding lots of money or else Minotaur will destroy a major building in the city. And there's an image of Ross Martin, who's the bad guy. And it says, oh, it's that guy from Wild Wild West on the TV. And Sam on a date. So Sam Casey, using some invisibility and some natural suaveness, hunts down Victor's daughter, Nancy, and follows her into the Los Angeles River. By hiding in her car, she drives into the river. It's easier than it sounds and not that exciting. The first episode of Adam-12 is a chase down the Los Angeles River. I'll talk about that more, um, if that confuses people who don't know what I mean by that. The majority of the episode takes place in a giant warehouse-slash-control center that Victor has built under the river. Sam spends a lot of time confusing the robot, it senses a present, but Sam keeps turning invisible. Eventually, there's a showdown, man versus robot, and it's handled well, considering how slow and ungainly the Minotaur is. And I should have a shot here of the Minotaur itself, and then possibly someone has been, and then it shows an image from a Doctor Who story, watching Doctor Who, and there's a Doctor Who story uh, from uh, the... End of the third season, last story of the third season, where he leaves the the first time the Doctor properly returns to modern day. Uh, he technically returns in the chase, uh, but they don't when they go to the Empire State Building. But the first story of Doctor Who, where they properly, he's able to return to modern day. And at this point, it's 1966. It's the end of season three of Doctor Who. It's um, I want to say it's early summer 1966 when things are very hip and cool in in Britain. And he leaves the unhip and uncool Dodo behind and picks up Ben and Polly. But in that, he fights the war machines created by a computer called Votan. And the war machines look a lot like uh, the Minotaur. Also rather unwieldy, also sort of a little iffy. Um, but I do have written out here, the war machines never did that. The Minotaur can fire a laser and blow up a building. The war machines in the Doctor Who thing just have kind of like big smash things on the front of them and spray like a, a smoke or a steam that kills. Nah, eh, you got to do something. And I, I suppose, too, the war machines, there are they're meant to be a bunches, like an army of those, whereas the Minotaur, there's just one. Anyway, what was I saying? All right, Gemini Man keeps it cool for another episode. The main story here revolves around someone taking advantage of Intersect. Sam, mainly... 
mainly, as there is some Leonard and Abby here, but it's mainly Sam, has to save the day. He's no master detective. The way he finds out about Nancy Victor is by pretending to be a courier and getting her to sign a package. Then he invisibly climbs into her trunk to get to Dad's place. And literally, the second half is Sam being chased by that big robot and Dr. Victor ranting. I love it. Fun for everybody, as far as I'm concerned. But it is one of those episodes that worked best the first time through. Smithereens has the actual fuel additive slash trucking storyline, but Buffalo Bill gets added in for color. Plus, that story has a forward momentum to it. Once Middletor settles into the secret hideout, is just running around with Sam, a goofy robot, a stereotypical mad scientist, and his daughter, who might, in quotes, turn against her father. The first time you, you tune into this one, enjoy. The second time I found it a little less interesting, and I will say, I will add that the um, the third time, this is I think the third or fourth time I've watched this episode, I do, it's it's fun, but it is sort of it is sort of less interesting just, just because it is just a series of meetings in between Sam, Sam running from the Minotaur and, and stunting around and almost getting shredded up and swinging on ropes and chains and climbing along ledges and eventually catching the, the robot in the end. And it's all fun to watch, but it is kind of really one of those in the first time you watch it. It's because, it, I mean, if it were like Buster Keaton going after a robot, you could watch it over and over, Jackie Chan or something. But it's, it's Sam Casey and, you know, Ben Murphy in this, and it's it's charming and fun. And um, you, you, your mileage may vary on that, however. Um, continuing with my review, especially as I mentioned, because the Minotaur is awesome at first, but he doesn't really glide like, say, a dialect. It just moves along, speaking every once in a while and firing its rays. When it comes time for the climax, there's a lot of, get it over here! And Sam running around like mad and setting up cables and throwing things. It's stunting all over to disguise the fact that the robot doesn't move that fast. And when they finally stop the robot, it's semi-clever, mostly silly. I'll leave that for yourself to see how they catch the robot. Gemini Man remains strong. It remains fun. Minotaur has less Abby in it than the previous one. That's too bad. It's got some Leonard, but he is mainly in the office looking worried. This episode is almost all Sam and the Victor family, including Minotaur. That is a bit of a precursor to what will happen to the show near the end of its episodes, long after the network run ended. And it's what most shows of the time did regularly. But Gemini Man keeps it in the Intersect family again for this episode. I like that. It means that, again, this security agency that is supposed to help people and save lives has given birth to someone who wants to kill for cash. Maybe Intersect needs a better human resources department. And I do have bonus image, Intersect gets a telegram. Yeah, there's a great scene where they're in the super high-tech, um, uh, you know, center of Intersect trying to figure out what the heck this bad guy wants. And all of a sudden, the guy, Western Union. Hey, pizza. I love <laughs> hey, pizza. Western Union. Here I am. And it's like, what is Western Union doing here? Uh, and it's just the way he strolls in, gives him a telegram or whatever it is, and then leaves. He's like, what? Did you? Who is that guy? You let that guy in? But overall, I stick with what I said there. It is a fun uh, episode. It's another fun episode. I don't think it's as fun as the last one just because the last one really has... Um, just kicks right in and goes. Whereas this one, sort of like I said, the first half is the investigation, which is fun. And then the second half is basically Sam running around in this underground space. Lots of... Lots of factory looking things and boilers you know you know what I, you know the space I'm sort of talking about but he has like I said there's some fun stunting stuff like a shredding thing and he runs out along a ledge of this moving platform and there's a lot of stuff like I said there's a lot of stuff for him to stunt on which most of the time doesn't involve him being invisible there's a lot of stuff for him to stunt on that um distracts one from the fact that the robot can't <laughs> the robot's rather ungainly I did like the fact that the robot 
can't quite figure out Sam because he keeps turning invisible. So, like, something's there, then it's not there, but it's detecting something, but technically there's nothing there. And then it begins to um, jam Sam's ability to turn invisible. I don't quite understand that um, because the the it's it was said early on that the only thing keeping Sam... It's said in the TV movie, the only... There's, there's nothing else about the mythology of the invisibility here. All we get is that this... Ro- well, I guess the robot is able to jam whatever it is Sam has and prevent him from becoming invisible for a period of time in the episode. And Abby sees that too on her sort of linking watch that she wears. The tricky thing with that, though, of course, is that doesn't make sense because we were told in the TV movie that he is always invisible. It is whatever that element is in his watch touching his skin that stabilizes his DNA and keeps him visible. Once he beep-boops, that, that removes the metal from his skin and turns him invisible. That's what they told us in the first in the movie, in the TV movie. And then when he beep boops it again, it it touches his skin, stabilizes the DNA, becomes visible. So the so I don't know exactly how un, unless I mean it's obvious now that I, I say I don't know exactly how it's it's obvious that um, the the thing is able to stop it from having the element move and off of Sam's skin. That must be what it's doing. But then you think it's a watch. Take the watch off. But then, of course, once you take the watch off, you you are in danger of not being able to... Well, I suppose that if he takes the watch off, he can just press the watch against his wrist to turn himself visible again, if he if need be. But but I could see why you might not want to take off the watch, just because... Um, once I mean, I mean, I imagine once he takes off the watch, he probably might might he lose contact with Abby. I'm not sure, but there there is some, there is something weird about that that it's able to stop that. I mean, I would have thought he would have, like I said, I would have thought he would have taken off the watch, just put it in his pocket, or something, you know, and just when he needed to turn visible again, just just put it on very quickly, put the watch on very quickly, or or like I said, put it against his flesh and maybe place the watch and you know and his wrist face down, you know, on a surface. To keep keep it pressed, up. I don't know. I, I'm overthinking it. I don't. I don't think the people who made this thought uh, were even thinking this at all. Um, right here, they're just thinking you're able to. Ja- I think they're thinking that it's some sort of superpower that he can sort of um, turn on and off. When actually, it's something that's turned on all the time um, that they have to force off. I guess is the way to go you know it's not like the flash you know barry allen can walk regular but then when he turns it on he goes super fast but but this isn't like that because sam is invisible all the time he's just being kept visible by the element in the watch yeah i don't know anyway i saw i'll stop i'll stop there that's me sort of overdoing it right there and um yeah yeah ross martin is fun in the episode he is he does have very much. I mean, he's a variation of the, of the Doctor. What's his name in the in the previous episode? Who kind of a slave? Sam, my patent papers. That kind of slight uh, jerky arrogance there. That that kind of comes up, and you know, you can I can take it or leave it. I can take it or leave it. Uh, and that jerky arrogance that comes up that I that I can take or leave. He's got a lot of that. You're such an idiot, Casey. That okay, calm down. I, I love the I love the fact. I mean, he is a mad scientist, but I love the fact that the story is that five days prior to this, um, Leonard found out that this Victor character had um, basically embezzled forty million dollars worth of funds from Intersect to create his own robot thing and make his own hideout, and so he fired him, and so now Victor's pissed off that he's got fired and he's going to destroy buildings using the robot. What? 
He is he is mad. I mean, you know what? You know what? If 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 I stole forty million dollars from the business I worked with, and all that happened to me was they said you're fired, I'd say okay, bye. They'd never hear from me again. I guess it is a mad scientist who has to be like, okay, I'm back five days later, and ha ha, you know, it's like, oh boy, you know, at the end when they see the robot there, and Leonard's just shaking his head, going forty million dollars on this, and what the last one was ten million dollars, so like. In two episodes, Intersect has lost $50 million to, like, mad scientists and, and schemes. How do they stay afloat? Maybe, you know, maybe... Maybe, maybe, maybe they, you know, they they cut corners on security, and that's how the Telegram guy get in got in. Maybe Abby, Sam, and Leonard are the only people there. Maybe they think they're actually working for, what is it, Intertech? The, um, the place that Mannix worked for in his first season? But they lost a T, and they put an S in? I don't know. But regardless, I did really like in the episode that the bad guy was coming after them. Uh, and it wasn't like, uh, you know, Sam was being sent into a completely different world where we knew no one and we had to catch up with what was going on, all this, that, and the other. No, it was Sam is there and, and there's this jerk and he's dealing with it. And I, I enjoyed it. And I got a kick out of it. It's fun adventure. And that, that shredding machine is fun, and that moving platform is fun, and the robot is fun. So it's a lot of good sci-fi fun. And in the first half, when Sam is investigating, he does fun stuff with um, when he dresses the courier, and he does he when he sneaks out of a date with with a lovely lady, and when he is able to sneak himself into the trunk of of the the daughter's car. It's weird the way Sam gets in the trunk is he and I've leaned back in my chair. If I sound like I've something got farther away, I lean back in my chair. I got a little drink. No, it's not booze. It's a vitamin water. It's fruit punch. And the, the way he does it is he he drives up alongside a police car, points at her convertible, and says, I just saw a bunch of guys throw a bunch of like stereo equipment and a TV in the trunk of that car. Thank you, sir. And so Sam rides away on his motorcycle. They pull the lady over. Her trunk is empty. They apologize. They try to close the trunk, but something stops it. They try again, and they're able to close it. You're like, oh, Sam just snuck in, and he did that. And you think, would that have... Did, I mean, this. I guess that was a different time. I cannot imagine driving up to a cop in L.A., one one just like like pulling up next to a, an open window on a cop car and not having them go like crazy on you, and just, what are you doing?! And I can't imagine, yeah, anyone sort of actually doing that, like pulling up alongside a cop car. I mean, I would think they'd pull their guns out immediately and you'd be in trouble. But but, but secondly, just the thought that someone drives up and says, I saw this happen, they're like, you got it. First off, I hate to say that, you know, she's an attractive white woman and they'd probably just look and go, she did not. Uh, but but it's, it is kind of strange to see just how easily it's done. Maybe in the mid-70s people would have been like, perfect use of the police, Sam. You did it. But now you look at it, it's like, that's a little weird. And the thing that makes it doubly weird is that she's not doing anything illegal right there when they stop her. But then it immediately cuts to her driving in the L.A. River Basin. Now, if you've never seen the L.A. River, like I said, Adam-12 has a first episode of Adam-12 has a chase in the L.A. River. There's a scene in Beverly Hillbillies. It's I think it's second season Christmas episode, the moment they're given a boat and they go to the L.A. River. And the L.A. River is basically like a basin channel that stretches throughout L.A. that has, in in the center of it, there's a little sort of trough that usually has a bit of water flowing through it. But generally, it's empty. It's just a big, empty, paved space. 
But when it starts pouring rain, like right here, right now, we're in the middle of February, as I'm recording this, we've had a lot of rain. So there would have been times during the rain when it's been raining for 12, 24 hours where you go to the river and the river is surging. I mean, you don't want to go, you know, you can climb down in there, you know, you're not supposed to, and when it's not raining and there's all pavement and such, but when it's raining hard, it is raging. It rages down throughout the throughout the and it's in some spots it's this paved area that again Adam Twelve Beverly Hillbillies. Um, if you've ever seen the Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow, the the drag race that the two gals get into in the beginning, that's the LA River. The huge chase in Terminator Two, the huge car chase that goes off the bridge into the bait, that's the LA River. In Terminator, that's probably the best one to use right there. But that's the L.A. River. It's very specifically, it's, I always thought it was a joke name, but no, that's actually what it's called. And, and there are points during the year when it flares up and goes crazy. I used to, um, the job I used to have when I used to work at a law firm from 2015 to 2018, I would walk every morning to a uh, bus stop, a commuter express stop. It's about a 20, 25 minute walk from my home. And right near the end, I crossed the L.A. River. I would cross the L.A. River. And depending upon which side, one side of the street was the huge basin, which would fill up with water when it was raining. And the other side is kind of this neat thing where it actually became more like a regular like river, like a windy proper river with vegetation alongside. So it was weird. So like under, it went under the street, Victory Boulevard. And as it went under the street, it kind of went from this huge expansive space, paved space and it got smaller and smaller too. It was kind of like a, a raging river on the other side and when it and it was like like raging down and down and through vegetation all kinds of stuff and it was cool um but it was so weird if because it's the same river you go on either side just if victory boulevard near balboa um you go was it northeast it's it's you go it's it's basically if you get to victory and balboa go east away from the school and you will see the on the north side, you will see huge paved space. And on the other side, you will see the more winding river kind of thing, which is really cool. Anyways, it cuts from her not having stolen goods in the back of her car to driving speedily through the L.A. River Basin, which is illegal. Which is illegal. And the way she's driving implies she's been there for a while. And the way she's driving sort of... Um, it, it's funny because she drives and drives and drives. Then she stops, parks her car, looks around to make sure no one sees her, and then goes in the space. But it's like every single moment you're down there, it's illegal. And if someone, if a police officer sees you, they'll come and get you. Or someone might call and have someone come and get you. So so it's I love the way they do it where they're just like, they're hoping no one will say, hey, <laughs> that's illegal. She went right there from... You know, being really pissed off that the cops thought she did something too illegal, illegal to immediately doing something illegal. Well, there you go. Um, I think that's about all I have for this one. Actually, you got the robot. You got Victor going crazier and crazier, being. Um, uh, but yeah, he kind of goes completely nuts in the end. The robot kind of takes him over, which is interesting. But um, but yeah, overall, a fun episode. One I one I recommend. You know, uh, so far so good. You go know, three for three. Cut the TV movie, and next time up, I think next time up is is it Sam Casey? Sam Casey with Ms. Um, I think Ms. Joanne Puflug might be in this episode if I'm remembering correctly, and I believe also another fun episode. Don't quote me on that though. And Sam Casey, Sam Casey might not even be the next one, but it might be. So um, be good to yourselves, everyone, and guess what? Oh my, 
I'm going to play a little theme from a TV show that you might know if you've been listening over the past, oh, 20 episodes. And we are about to go into Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. great, 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 great Kiki Wrights and myself, talking about the 21st and final episode of this. Tales of the Gold Monkey Morning Becomes Matuka Episode 21 This is directed by David Jones Story by Jay Hugely Teleplay by Jay Hugely and Tom Green and George Geiger It's interesting with this one They Wikipedia says the show ran from September 22nd, 1982 which is when the two-hour pilot aired and ended June 1st, 1983 which is when this episode aired but the previous new episode was two months before Distant Sound of Thunder aired April nineteen, April eighth, nineteen eighty three. So they must have had two months of repeats, and then one more episode that probably most people were either not watching anymore or didn't know there was a new episode or got lost in the repeats. But apparently, according to, according to Wikipedia, this was the last episode that aired. Night, I mean, I mean the last one. There were no repeats after this. This was the end. So June first, nineteen eighty three, morning becomes Matuka. In this one. Uh, Jake and the gang go to Princess Koji's island where she asks Jake um, uh, to be her bodyguard when her bodyguard is incapacitated. It's her birthday. There are a lot of people there. She wants Jake to watch over her. And um, things may not go well for Jake. Things may go a little nutty. But I'm going to leave it at that. You're going to find out all about it. Chris and I are on the other side to discuss the final episode of Gold Monkey. Morning Becomes Matuka, the final episode of Tales of the Gold Monkey. You're sad, I'm sad, I've got someone here who also might be sad. It's Kristen Hawes. Are you sad? I'm extremely sad. We've been talking you about... You could say I'm in mourning. Um, see, it's morning, morning as in we're all crying, rather than morning as in morning, the morning as in you wake up in the morning. Morning. You know what I mean. So this is the final episode. We've been talking about Gold Monkey for a while. A full full season. A full pile of baloney. No, I'm kidding. A full season of uh, the gang. And this is the last episode. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. As I was watching it... And I, d- I did mention that in the la- in the previous episode, which we had some issues with, I really thought that at the end, when they were leaving the island, they were leaving the island. They weren't going to come back. But they come right back immediately in the next scene, and everything's fine again. So, um, uh, so, so, uh, so in this one, this one actually, I think we spend the whole time right on Matuka, right? I yes. Think. Yes. I so, yes. Yeah. So, so it's kind of it's it's kind of weird. I, I I think what it was is that when I saw it said Matuka in the title of this, and when I put in the DVD and it said Distant Sound of Thunder and Morning Comes Matuka, and then when we got to the end of Distant Sound of Thunder, I think what I thought was, oh, they're gonna all wind up in Matuka because they can't stay on their island anymore. But that's not what happens. So, um, anyway, that was a long story about nothing in particular. And, Kristen, what do you think of this episode, The Final Gold Monkey? I like this episode. 
it's a fun kind of whodunit almost. Mm-hmm. Not quite, but but I mean, when you get to the to the twist part, you realize what's going on. But I think it, I think it's fun in that respect. And then you have the whole side story of the everybody else wanting to leave, and then because Jake stays, they're conniving to stay unless they can get Jake to leave with them. And mm-hmm. so you have this really kind of amusing B plot on the side. So yeah, I, I like it. I think it was, I think it was enjoyable. I thought it was fun. We get to meet another half sibling of mm. princess Koji. God knows how many she has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> None of them seem to be worth a shit, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and Toto gets his moments. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, yeah, I like it. I think it's fun. What did you think of it? I th- I thought it was a it was, it was a uh, uh, a fun episode that I I, I kind of wish. Well, they didn't. I don't think they knew. I don't I don't know if they knew it was going to be the last episode because I know, and we can mention it when we get to the end, or I'll just mention it right now because I know the ratings were the the show like won its time slot throughout the season. And I, I, I feel like there was a feeling that they thought they might have get re- gotten renewed, get been renewed. They, they were going to, you know what I'm saying, going to mm-hmm. be renewed for another season. So I'm wondering if when they made this, oh, there's probably a commentary, right? And I should have listened to the commentary, and they would have said, "Dang it, why don't I do that?" Because the, the only, the only, the, the only problem I had with it was that we didn't get more of the gang in it. It's yeah. very, it's very much a, a Jack led episode. Um, and there's almost more of the sort of um, suspects than there are our characters, and you know that's not that's not bad. I mean, I, I, in the previous episode, everyone sort of acted so out of character. I was hoping to have one that was more ensemble, but this is still a solid episode. It is a nice little mystery, and whether or not you think the princess dies. Or whether you think it's you know baloney or not, um, you know that's up to you. You know, don't be so cynical. I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm. I don't know what I'm telling you not to be cynical about. Whether you think she's dead or not dead, actually, now that I said that, but um, but it's it's a nice little mystery, and and the um, the uh, the bad guys are sufficiently bad, and and um, uh, it, it's 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 nice for Jack because it is almost sort of overwhelming at times with all the people that sort of want to punch him and kill him and he has and the way the way he gets out of dying is by saying he's going to kill himself which is a tricky is sort of a tricky you know it's 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 like you know if things are as bad as they can be i'm gonna get myself another 15 minutes before i have to slit my own gut open he doesn't that's not the way the series ends but um but it gets um gets slightly harrowing by the end but um I, uh, I I think it's a fun episode. I, I do um, yeah. I think, think the only the only real drawback with it is 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 um there there isn't uh it, it's not ensemble enough for me for the last episode. But then I don't know if they knew it was going to be the last episode. So, uh, what what else do you have on this one? I may I bring up one thing while you're cogitating. Yes. I love the game they play in the beginning where the two guys are on horseback and they're they've got hoods on. And they're firing arrows at each other's bells, because all I can think of is like you, like in all the police academy movies, like where you get a dumb character who's handed a gun and then suddenly points the gun at everyone, and everyone suddenly ducks, kind of thing. That's what I thought yeah. was going to happen, because I thought surely if the bells are passing the crowd in the little pagoda, do, wouldn't, wouldn't they? 
is it doesn't anyone actually get shot ever get hit with an arrow like a bystander i would think they would but they don't apparently because because they're supposed to be very skilled mm, okay and the whole point is for them to listen for the bells so they're mm. not going to let especially with koji sitting on the sidelines yeah. they're not going to let someone who's just going to aim wildly I thought because um, they might hit her. I thought that might be one sort of a, a, a one of the things with her is that um, she she likes this game where, where at any moment one of the guys oh there's the bell and hit the guy sitting next to her. <laughs> well, I mean, she would be very amused by that. But... She would think it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I think you no know, for her it's the skill and everything. So it's because mm-hmm. as Willie is explaining it, it's. You know, whichever archer has the slightly worst hearing is the one that's going to yes. end up dying. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and Sarah is appalled by this, and she's like, "It's barbaric," and he's like, "Well, of course it's barbaric. It's Matuka." Yes. Like, duh. <laughs> yeah, but the, I will say their sushi plates look delicious. Yes, and uh, Jack really was going to enjoy them, except for the dingbat who comes over and gets all uptight that. Jack was eating, and it's like, excuse me, he's a guest. Yeah, I didn't like that guy. I didn't. No. You know what? I didn't like the bad guys. I, I didn't like... either. The, um... the the bad guys were very effective in that respect. I didn't <laughs> yeah. like any of them. Yeah, the um, uh, there there's that. There there's a lot of nice stuff here with um, uh, tying back to um, uh, Jack being what what is the name of the thing he was in? Was it the Eagles or what is what is the thing the 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 pirates the the bears the um, uh, what was the name of the group the flying group he was in? I've forgotten the Thundercats. The Flying Tigers. The flying tigers. No. Yes. Thundercats. <laughs> The uh, and there, there's a sort sort of nice callback to that where he's with he's with people who were affected by you know the the the, the flying tigers and and they're not happy that he's there and then the thing comes up that we haven't seen in a while about Sarah being a spy and so there's some nice callbacks to previous things tying everything together. Um, uh, yeah, it's weird. The the more I think about the episode, the less I have to say about it. I don't know why that is. That's weird. So what do you, what do you, what else do you have? Let me look at my notes. Well, um, so, okay. So Koji, Princess Koji knows someone's trying to kill her. So Mm -hmm. she, I mean, and that's kind of obvious when the archers like totally stop what they're doing and fire at her and Toto takes one for the team. And I said, Oh no, Toto. Yeah. Because I like him and his, I like his penchant for tormenting Willie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's trying to kill her, and it's somebody in her organization, and that's why she wants Jake to help her find out mm-hmm. who it is. And she gets him to do that because she knows Sarah is a spy. Yes. And I'm like, of course she knows. Mm-hmm. And she keeps referring to her as the babbling little skeleton. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I that... don't know why, but I'm just like, I like that. Yeah. It just fits. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, that's a nice scene. And she uses the word communique a lot, mm-hmm. which I which I don't think we use enough in 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 no, sort we of, don't in sort of day, daily speak. But we need um, to use that more. Yeah. Uh, actually, I actually have it playing right here, and I think the princess might be about to be killed or not. Wink, wink. Or not. <laughs> 
it's it's the, was, the, oh i'm sorry it, it was clever though the the because you know she's having the birthday party mm-hmm. and everybody's giving her presents and she's and she and her sister are exchanging snide comments and they give that that cupid and that cupid music box really is cute you don't anticipate mm-hmm. it actually firing an arrow at her yes into her chest you don't anticipate that mm. i mean you know something's gonna happen but you yeah. that's not what you think's gonna happen with it yeah, I actually have that playing right here. Oh, poor Koji. Oh, she gets it. Oh, right between the... Yep. Cleave. Uh, cleave. <laughs> it's right between the boobies. Yeah. Yeah. It's... One of the things I love whenever they go to Matu... And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sort of jumping all around here. It's, it's, it's the last episode. I'm trying to say everything I can. But like I said, the, the, the episode is, is kind of... Um, it's 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 a nice little mystery, but it is sort of a pretty straightforward kind of mystery. It's not like there are a thousand twists and turns. You know, there are three real jerks, and is Koji dead or isn't she dead? And we'll be able to get everyone off the island. And <laughs> how how long will Corky be able to pretend like he's really hurt his eye so bad that he has a patch on? <laughs> I I do I do like that Corky Corky is always willing to just act like he's in a sitcom at a yes. moment's notice. Well, the best part of that plan, because they're trying to figure out how to stay until they can get uh, Jake to go with them. And Corky's like, well, I can pretend to be drunk. They're like, no. And he's like, yeah, uh, Jake already knows, always knows when I'm pretending to be drunk. I could really get drunk. And they're like, no. (laughs) And then it's the friggin' dog that comes up with the plan to make it look like Corky can't see out of one eye, so he won't be able to mm-hmm. to fly. And I'm just like, the friggin' dog is the smartest one here. Yes. And I love that. He's a character. He's from the very beginning. He's always been treated yes. as no different than any other people. Which is fantastic. And I, I finally, now that we got to the end, I'm finally used to the two two barks and the one bark. After 21 episodes, uh, whenever he whenever he barks the way he barks I finally figured it out I don't sit there anymore going now what does that mean you know I have a little key written down one for no two for yes I don't have to do that anymore of course the show's over now yeah so what are you gonna do but well I mean better late than never yeah exactly exactly (laughs) One, one scene I like is the um uh there's there's a scene where one of the um the 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 soldiers is um uh uh, bothering um, Jack and um, he's Jack's trying to be as um, calm as he can but then the guy really starts to shove him so Jack punches him and then suddenly it becomes this huge brawl Yes, which was because it's like, it's like they suddenly cut to like four white guys standing over to one side, and they're like, "Yeah," and they just dive in and start fighting. It's like, sure, well, sure, yeah, why not? Those were um, the sister Shannon. Is that yeah. her name was? Mm-hmm. Um, that, those were her. That was those were her uh, escorts, I guess. I don't know, and I think it was a nod to the fact that she's Irish. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Irish are always game. They don't. They don't really need a formal invitation <laughs> no, to they a brawl. Don't. No, they don't. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, what else? What else on this one? It's. I mean, yeah. As 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 far as final episodes go, it's it's apart from not quite enough for the main uh, most of the cast. It's it's a solid episode to go out on. It's mm-hmm. it's not one where you watch it and go, ooh, that that stank. 
but you 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 watch and go that was that was a solid episode now now obviously we don't you know we, we don't get to see the you know um we're not we're not back on our in our favorite bar on our favorite island but we're in a fun place and we do get to see the princess and everything so that's that's nice for for the last episode i kind of i kind of thought maybe we would see her again so it's like and technically she spends most of this episode being dead did i spoil it did i spoil it wink wink (laughs) i feel like because they played it very straight that yeah that she was murdered Mm mm-hmm but then when we get to that twist and she's not as murdered as we all thought she was, <laughs> it's, it just, it feels like, it's not a cheat. It feels like perfectly orchestrated because that's yes. exactly something that Princess Koji would do. Yes, like exactly. It makes perfect sense. Exactly. That was the thing is because when it happened, I was, I was, part, part of me was actually kind of torn because it was the last episode of the season. I thought, ooh, that might be something. They might, if they were anticipating another season, they might kill a, a character, to to sort of, but but then, but then at the same time, I was, I I honestly was, I I thought, I don't think she's dead, but I'm almost convinced she might be, and that's enough for me, and it was fun, you know. I it's it they they they, they did a pretty good job of it. Jack is um. Uh, uh, pretty solid throughout when he's um, trying to find out who who did this and coming up against the um, the calm and boring bureaucracy alongside the guys who want to beat him up. But but like there there is um, there is that scene yeah where he goes to try to talk to them and they're all sitting there with him. We're very busy right now, just working out doing something with the princess's papers and they won't they won't really listen to him and. Um, I mean, in the previous one, when Lucian wouldn't listen to him, he he grabbed his table and shook it. But this one, he doesn't do that. Probably because there are more soldiers involved. But um, yeah, it's it's the, the it's it's a sort it's a sort of interesting mix of you know um, you're going to want to take that jacket off your your flying your Thundercats jacket because they're <laughs> going to want to beat you up. Mixed with um, oh, and also uh, your garbage, and we're not going to talk to you because we have paperwork. Which is sort of this wonderful mix of where we're super bureaucratic, but we also have people who will punch you. Which is kind of an interesting mix. Yeah. Kind of a mob sort of sort of mix, and it's 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 fun too because the three um, the three sort of suspects, as it were, are very very different. And it's 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 not like I mean we're not talking like this isn't like Agatha Christie or something like that you know this isn't a John Dixon Carr novel but it's um it's 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 a fun and in, in the end when you find out who did it it's I don't know that it's a huge surprise but it's still I think it's still it's it's handled well and it's a it's a fun episode and and whenever sort of Jack and the princess can kind of connive and canoodle I'm always up for it. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun, especially when she appears in the shrine while he, because he's gonna commit seppuku. Yes, seppuku, seppuku, seppuku. Yeah, seppuku. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't study that particular language, and I would mispronounce it anyway. Um, and she shows up, and she's having a marvelous time. She is watching him go through all of these paces, um, because she insists that even though you know, we know who 
trying to kill her that no she needs every disloyal person to be found mm-hmm. so this doesn't happen again and he's she's like you know I, I i like the thing too that he he's about to be killed and the way he stops being killed is he says i'll kill myself and then when he sees the princess she is having a great time and, and he's like, well, I, you know, I just had to, you know, order to stop myself from being killed uh, by your sister. I said I'd kill myself. You know, I got to you got to help me out here. And she's like, no, you got it. Just keep going. <laughs> it's like, where does he go after that? You know, it's like he can't, you know, it's it's there's no there's no way to go because the thing with the, the, the seppuku there is that, you know, like if if you um if he doesn't kill himself, someone will cut his head off and so it's like your options are shrinking and uh but it's slim very slim very slim very slim very slim um uh but uh yeah um what 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 else do you have on this one i think i think like like i've said overall i think it's a solid closing episode and if you don't have much else uh, throw, throw me what else you have in your trivia then we can just do our final thoughts on the series Okay, well, I just have one more thing I want to point out, and then I have one little piece of trivia. So the one thing I wanted to point out is at the very beginning when they, we, it's revealed that someone's trying to kill Princess Koji, my immediate thought was, throw them to per, the piranhas. And then yes. at the end of the episode, one of the bad people gets thrown to the piranhas, and I was satisfied. <laughs> yes, yes. I almost forgot about the piranhas. But then when it happened, I was like, yes, piranhas. <laughs> That, that always it always lightens up an episode. Just throw really, someone to the piranhas. Do it. See, maybe uh, the previous episode, if they just thrown somebody to the piranhas, yes. it would have been better. If there had been one little spot with piranhas, and there is there is a moment in the previous episode I I noticed when the the like the uh, volcano is erupting, where you see like um like a walkway like planks along the ground, and then all of a sudden they all kind of rise up in the air like something's going underneath it, like tremors. Yeah, like tremors. I was gonna say like tremors or something, like a giant worm or something like that. And I thought, what the heck is that? But you never see it again. In no. fact, they probably put it in there. It's it's stock footage, I imagine, from whatever movie they used. And it's probably why did we put that in there? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so what 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 uh, trivia do you have? I have one little piece of trivia that's actually not Magnum PI trivia, but it's close yeah. enough. And that's uh, Sab Shimono, who played the general, who had a real issue with the flying tigers. Uh, that probably came naturally because he was also in an episode of Black Sheep Squadron. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, so that's um, that's the last episode of Tales of the Gold Monkey, everybody. Thank you for um, Thank you for being here throughout our journey through this and we hope you enjoyed our, our chats on it and I guess um, uh, let's um, uh, well, you, you know what I want to say uh, what I'll say before I ask you what you th- just for any overall thoughts on the series I'm just I'll say one more thing and that is I remember reading somewhere or other and I could be making this up and who cares if I am right if it's a good story um the uh that um yeah the, this show won the it's time slot on the network what network was it on is it abc or cbs why, do, I do why don't i remember it wasn't nbc however uh, it was whatever the number one network at the time was i want to say it was abc um and obviously nbc would become the number one network uh when 1985 hit and be, be so for the 
the second half of the 80s but in at this time 82 83 ish um uh the, the whatever uh nbc uh nbc was in the toilet and whatever station abc was on was was the number one and um tales of the gold monkey won its time slot um throughout the the season um uh at, but it, it was there's a story um where caitlin ohaney was talking to denzel washington and do you know this story? Have I said that? I haven't told this story, have I? I do not know this story. Oh, okay. Because he was in, obviously, St. Elsewhere on NBC, which premiered the same season. And St. Elsewhere's ratings were in the toilet. And Tales of the Gold Monkey was doing much better. And I, I think I think she said something like she... Um, they, they may have, like, whatever studio where they shot St. Elsewhere was in the vicinity of wherever they shot some gold monkey or something, and they kind of became friends or, or something. And um, uh, she said that she met up with... She, she, she saw him after Gold Monkey was canceled, and when they were talking about it, they sort of realized that Gold Monkey was canceled because it was on the number one network... And even though Gold Monkey won its time slot week after week, the ratings weren't high enough for the number one network. When you're the number one network, you can pick and choose your shows. And so that's why Gold Monkey was canceled. And the reason why St. Elsewhere lasted as long as it did with the ratings in the toilet was because the network was in the toilet and they didn't have any other shows. So they just left it on. So it's sort of like St. Elsewhere and Denzel Washington, you know, that's where his career began on this show where the ratings were stinky. And, it, you know, alongside this this other show where the ratings were really good, but because it was on the number one network, Monkey, it got canned, and St. Elsewhere became a huge critical hit and eventually got great ratings and such and, and went on to be, you know, a much-beloved show, whereas Tales of the Gold Monkey is not as beloved. Although maybe it should be. I don't know. But I, I, I like the fact that, when you're the number one network, you can say, "Yeah, you won your time slot. Get out of here." Whereas the at NBC, they're like, you know, it was the same with Hill Street Blues. You know, it was Hill Street Blues the ratings were in the toilet when it started too. But and what they, what what NBC would do was they would say, um, they would say like, you know, where we put on quality programming and we give it time to find an audience. When really what it was was that. No one wanted to make a show for NBC because since it was number three, you know, you couldn't get as much for ads. And so you couldn't make as much off of a show as you could off of the number one network. So that's why they left the shows on because they couldn't get anything else. And so, yeah, poor Gold Monkey. We wouldn't be talking about it, of course, if it had, had a second season. So True, true. So I don't know if that's an interesting story or not, but I like that concept. Um, and I won't say it again. Because I'm going to ask you, Kristen. Which I have a, I realize I have a tendency sometimes to repeat myself. You know, I'll repeat myself. I have a tendency to do that, and and so I'm trying not to, but I still do. So, Kristen, what did you? Any overall thoughts on the show? Like we got to the end, we talked about it. What do you think? No, I I liked it overall when I first watched it. I liked it overall again watching it again. I will just say, don't binge watch it. It's not a binge watch show. It's when you watch one or two episodes at a time, maybe, and you space them out a little bit. I, it's uh, the season, the run is uneven. I think quality wise, mm-hmm. but there's there's some really good episodes in there. There's definitely episodes that capture what the show. 
I think should have been and probably would have been going more into season two if it had a season. I will, I will just, you know, I'll wrap it up by, you know, saying that I think that if it would have gotten a second season, I think that, that the overall quality would have improved. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't think we would have had as many less, you know, meh, less than episodes. Yes. Um, but overall, no, it's a fun show. I think anybody yeah. should give it a watch. Yeah, I think I think if you if you like sort of adventure-y, action-y shows, this is a fun one. The cast is charming. It's a fun location. Um, and it, it is uneven. I mean, I, I would say about half the episodes, I think, are, are pretty darn good. And the other half range from, eh, to what are they doing? Uh, and it, it's kind of the show finding its um, its way. And uh, I think I think overall, I'm glad I watched the show. And uh, I, I I would recommend it if you I, again, like you said, would it's not a binge watch show. You have to you have to like sort of this genre of kind of eighties hour long television. If you don't, it's probably going to drive you up the wall. If you do, this is a fun one. It's like I said, it's a fun cast. In general, the the stories are fun and, and interesting, and after a time, you really get to um, you you really get to like the characters. So even most of the not all the time, but most of the time, if you have a dud episode, they can carry it through, but not always. So I would say um, I don't know if I had to out of ten, this is probably maybe a seven on the show, maybe six point five seven out of ten, um, and uh, I think uh, yeah. I know. I think. I think. Give it a watch if you like actiony, adventurous stuff. This one's worth a watch. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like you said, the characters are definitely great. I mean, they tricked mm-hmm. you into liking a Nazi. So. Yeah, exactly. The characters are excellent. Exactly, and 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 the thing is, it's one of those shows where when the episode is very good and all the all the and and you get these characters you like in there, it's really very entertaining. But the thing is, you never really know what you're gonna get. It isn't like yeah. they're it, it it isn't like sort of like with a modern day TV because they have so many people in writers rooms and things like that. Like if you watch one episode of a series, that's probably going to be the quality level. So if it stinks, it's probably going to continue to stink. And if it's pretty good, it's probably going to be pretty good. But this is of that time where you could watch an episode and go, "Damn, this is the best show ever." And then you watch next week and be like, "Was this the same show?" But that happens. So, um, so, 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 Chris, did you have anything else on Tales of the Gold Monkey? We're saying goodbye to the gang. I shall miss them. I shall miss the gang, especially Corky and yeah, Jack Corky. the dog. Yeah. The best. Yeah. Uh, so, any anything else about Gold Monkey before I say the magic words? Where can we find you online? Uh, I will miss the monkey bar. That's my final thoughts. <laughs> so, where can we find you online? You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five O podcast. You can also find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And uh, I guess I'm still over at Twitter, at kikiwrites. Yes. Yay. Uh, well, thank you so much for uh, for joining me on this. It was nice to have you back. You know, you hadn't been on since, um, what do we do, Auto Man? Yeah, it, it's been a while. Yeah, and I thought, you know, we gotta have we gotta have Kristen back on the show. So it's nice, yeah. it's nice to have you on here. It was, maybe it was good to be back. Maybe again someday. I've got some ideas for some fun shows. 
Oh, I'm we new. You know me. I'm always game. <laughs> Here we go. So, everyone, that was Gold Monkey. And the next uh, the next episode, we're going to have a brand new old show for you. Maybe with a brand new old guest host. Actually, we'll be a. I, I, I'll, I'll spoil it by saying the, the, the guest host for the next show is someone who's been on the show before. And I'm sure you will enjoy them being here. And if you don't, shut up about it. <laughs> so, Kristen, thank you again. This was Gold Monkey, everyone. And that is the end of this episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Kristen, for joining me for a little bit of fun. I enjoyed it. And uh, we'll have you back soon. Uh, I'm looking forward to the... uh, next new old show we got uh, we got on the horizon i think it's a, it's a bit of a rarer one than usual although maybe maybe what we're doing here is where i have no idea but anyways um the uh thanks everyone again for listening and yeah man and i will be back and i'll be back and i'll be back with maybe somebody next time all right, where can you find us online? At eSuperTrain1 on Twitter, eventually SuperTrain on Facebook, eventually SuperTrain.blogspot.com. You can email me at Danny Slacks, D A N N Y S L A C K S, at yahoo.com. And uh, yeah, be good to yourself next time, next episode, brand new old show, and some fun with Luke Ed, and some fun with an invisible guy. Here we go. Mm-hmm.